Awesome. So we're recording a new episode of the Q Chat, and I'm really excited. I have an awesome gentleman. His name is Patrick Ladonis, and he's the creator and actor of the web series Scales. So we're just going to dive in. I want to give Patrick the floor to give us some information on his show and some also new information on the production. There's a new streaming platform that the show will be on. So I want to go ahead and give Patrick a moment to introduce himself. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. You know, can, all things considered, um, I'm excited to be here talking with you today. And yeah, that was, um, yeah, I'm the creator of Scales. Uh, and you're right, I definitely act in it. I play the lead character, Remy Howard, which, um, hence the name of the show is called Scales, because it is, it is about uh, Remy Howard, who is drawn to complicated people and relationships and how he and the people around him navigate throughout their relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. And so I I created the series about three years ago, um, just because I really loved creating content from years ago when I was in college and high school. And so I figured with everything that was happening back in 2017, what better way to jump into that creative space by having a series called Scales, because I think literally from day one, everyone is always trying to, everyone's always trying to find balance in something. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I was doing some research on you, I saw that you describe it as, as telling the story of every young adult's quirky life. So how do you think quirkiness plays into the characters? Well, I think because I, I it, and it and it really plays on where we've either all been in our relationship before or where we currently are in our relationship. And I say that because it season one and season two was really about, you know, it focused on Remy and his two best friends. Typically I think statistically we kinda all maybe have that one or two best friends who we can share our share anything with our secrets or our relationships and advice or whatnot and we lean on our close friends but just like friendships too maybe you have your two really good friends but maybe you don't maybe tell them every single thing that goes on in your relationship mm -hmm. and so i feel like that too applies to people that are dating or in relationships they have that dynamic in their um, in their friendships, and that's what season one and two really focused on. And then too, just with some of the, I don't even want to call it drama, but I guess that's the best name for it. At some point in our lives, whether we were 18, 19, or even 30, or even older, we don't like to say we had drama, but we had drama. Everyone's <laughs> experienced some drama in our life. We, that's why people love soap operas. We all have a little bit of drama in our lives. And I think it's the lightness of the drama that sort of draws people into scales is because they kind of want to see how these people are going to get out of the situations that they get themselves into. Okay, and just with some further research, so just to, you know, just to give everyone a background of yourself. So you've been acting since 1996, and I noticed that you had a, a cameo in A Time to Kill, like, um, and I told you, like, off camera, off recording, that I actually remember the scenes that you were in. Was that your first movie role? That was my first movie role, and it's, you know, 20 plus years later, it's, it's amazing to know that 
it was one of those things how you know people used to say they get discovered in the mall or whatever mm -hmm. i was actually i was actually in the dmv line <laughs> about to get my driver's license wow when the late because he recently died i think last week the late joel schumacher the director of the time to kill saw me in the line pulled me out of the line and took me over to casting and says i want to put him in i want him to be in this 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 film and this and at the time they used to call it a under five mm -hmm. role because i had less than five lines mm -hmm. and wanted to give me this part and it was it was amazing and i think it was very serendipitous of the situation because i don't know if this is known, but the casting assistant for Time to Kill was, well, she's now an Academy Award winning actress, Octavia Spencer. She oh was the, my God. She was the casting assistant wow. at that time. That's amazing. So. Wow, you learn something new every day. Number one, <laughs> I didn't know Joel Schumacher had passed away. So um, that's yeah. definitely something new. And I normally keep my alerts on, so I'm definitely going to have to Google that. <laughs> we hang up i definitely didn't know that so what got you started into acting like what made what, did you have an interest prior to being casted like that i did and it, it, it's i'm gonna try to do it in like under a minute it's such <laughs> a long story but one i'm an only child so as an only child you you know with no siblings you have to find ways to entertain yourself and so i would write stories i would just make you know make had a huge imagination and i would sort of put on these one-man shows and as a kid i would go visit my grandmother and i would put on these performances for her and she loved them and as i as a young kid like um like this grandmother she was diagnosed with cancer and one of her favorite things she used to love was watching her stories meaning all my children <laughs> while I to live and guiding light. And so as a young kid, I knew, you know, my mom and stuff, the medicine would make her sick. And so she couldn't watch them. So during the summers, I would watch the shows for her and put on whatever I could, you know, remember, I would act, reenact wow. the characters for her. And that's when I was like, oh, this is, this might be my thing. And so in elementary, middle school, junior high, I would be in school plays and so forth. So. That is so cute. It's like a human VCR, and that's the, if the millennials know what a VCR is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, just doing further research, I know that, like I said, you are doing some awesome things, just being a creative, creating your show, just having all these different innovative things that you're doing right now. So, one thing that I noticed too, which was very awesome and interesting, you mentioned that you are changing the narrative as a black man in the LGBTQ community. So with your platform, and I know like, I feel like in the media in general, you know, like they tend to stereotype as African-Americans in general. How do you feel like you're being a trailblazer so that you can stand out and that you can put your stories out there and that you can show different perspectives and not fall into stereotypes? Ah, that's, that's a great question. I, I think one of the things or some of the, some of the layers that's just being at the forefront of scales is, you know, I'm a, I'm a black man. So that's one. And I've created this series. But the characters, they all kind of represent, you know, they're not no one's really like struggling, struggling like the character Remy Howard. He's a 
chief editor of like a large magazine in, in Atlanta and David Ramos, he owns a gym. So there's entrepreneurship. And so it's really trying to showcase these amazing people of color, black people, African-American, whatever term you want to use, doing really well. Like there's not this struggle. And I think that's the beauty of Atlanta too, is that you have a lot of uh, people of color who are doing well and thriving. And I wanted to really elevate that a lot. And, you know, I have a, a uh, one of the characters, Ron Campbell, that's on the show. He's a, a tech person. He's become super successful from tech. Black people are killing it in tech, and, mm. you know, in real life. And that sometimes get overshadowed. And then from the LGBTQ plus aspect of it, you typically in, in series, you see that one you see that one queer character and they're either like the sidekick or they're they may represent maybe just one dimensional of what people think um, gay is or what queer is. And so with scales, I wanted to, and everything I was very intentional about, I wanted to showcase this sort of dramedy show that has all this messiness going on, mm -hmm. funny messiness, but it doesn't reflect on the, the character's sexual orientation or identity. I mm -hmm. didn't want that to be part of the story because what I wanted people to see is that these people are just like any other person walking the earth and they all deal with some of the same stuff. Like the cast is very multicultural because I think in mainstream media, they often forget about that. You know, one of the characters that's in Scales, the, op the very opening episode in the pilot it's my character, Remy Howard, this black guy, in sort of embracing his uh, love interest, who's an Asian American. You have never seen an Asian American and a black, but two, you've never seen two men of those nationalities together mm -hmm. in this type of medium, except for Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Right. So you, you rarely see those kind of pairings. And I wanted to really push that. And then one of the other characters who's, who makes up the three best friends is identifies as trans male i didn't feel like i owed that to the viewers or to the story to acknowledge it I, he's just one of he's just one of our friends you know i think it goes back to what people say about racism racism is taught you know because kids don't know color when they're growing up it's as a kid you tell them that this is you know that you probably shouldn't be friends with this white person or this black person and that's how it happens so Everything I tried to put out there with scales and the representation of the characters, I wanted it to reflect on how things should be. And that hopefully will send a message to mainstream media that not every story has to be a storyline about pers a person's sexuality or getting someone to maybe become comfortable with it. If you just show this part of them and see how they go about their everyday lives, people will see, oh, well, we all have we're all alike in so many ways. Right, right. That's an excellent point. And you're correct. If we can just look at each other for what's inside of us as opposed to, I just feel like, for example, with straight characters, you don't have to make an announcement or put it out there. So it's like, why can't we just be creative, as you mentioned, and just have these shows and have these storylines and focus on that as opposed to, you know, like, I just feel like there is like a double standard. And I love the fact that what you just said, how you're putting it out there and you don't have to sit there and say, okay, this character is transgender. You can get that by watching the show and just paying attention and feeding in and grasping, you know, the content of the show. So I love that too. 
So I'm just getting some further information as well. So I know like the show scales, it's two, just to correct me. So it's been two seasons on YouTube, but now it's going to be on a new streaming platform. Yeah, um, I have been so in, so pushing. Scales is my baby. I tell everyone it's like I gave birth to Scales. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very passionate about it. I wanted to really get this pushed out there. It's actually it's on two streaming platforms. One is the On Channel, which is led by Brian J. White, who's an Emmy-nominated actor. He used to be on the show on On called uh, Ambitions. Mm-hmm. So I could, you know, worked really hard with the sort of founder of that platform to get scales on there. And it debuted in April right there on this platform. Then came the really big one, which was Reverie, which we just premiered July 3rd. Reverie, this this licensing deal with Reverie has been going on since the first of the year, January. And Reverie, what I loved about Reverie is that it was founded by four um, for four people as a passion project and that's kind of how i look at scales as a passion project that i was able to make with four other people three other people who i really didn't know but they were drawn to my passion to tell the story and so reverie has they've done partnership deals with pluto and pluto tv i'm sorry pluto tv comcast x1 xfinity they are now over we're in 250 million homes, and Scales is now a part of that family. And we, you know, we have we're over in two, 250 million homes. And when this, when I first started this show, I was just excited if I could get maybe a hundred views, maybe on YouTube, mm-hmm. and 40 subscribers. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to know that one, I, you know, I did this. We're going into our third season. I'm on two major streaming platforms, and even on YouTube, I'm about 1,200 views away from having 100,000 views. So I'm very excited for this journey of what what's happening with Scales right now. That is absolutely amazing. So some additional information that you have, I know like one of your key platforms is how to do productivity the right way. So, of course, as we know, COVID has really, you know, transformed things, I guess you could say, for a lot of the creatives um, in a good way. And it's also, you know, changed plans naturally. But one of the first things I wanted to touch on is what is your take on how to do productivity the right way? Oh, gosh, I would say that the best way to do productivity, at least for how I've been able to really learn how to be productive and use my time wisely is just what, you know, the first two months of COVID really put us in this global recess. We were able to, it was like major timeouts all over the world. And I had to really think about what I was going to do as far as how we're going to move forward with shooting season three. So I had to write things down. And I'm sure people have heard this before, but it really helps to kind of have an agenda, a checklist to write down the things you're trying to work on right. and set realistic goals, you know, and also have a be sure to at least one thing that I've definitely learned a lot being in this sort of this stay-at-home quarantine or pandemic is to always plan for, always have a plan B and a plan C. Mm. And it's no more just having a plan B anymore. I think COVID has taught us you can't just have a plan B anymore. There needs to be <laughs> what a plan B doesn't work. You need to have a plan C. So right. plan plan for those things. And when, when it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way that you want it to be, don't let it 
um, don't let it, you know, knock you down. Just consider it a reset. There's nothing wrong, wrong with resetting. And again, looking back at what this global recess has taught us is that we used to think we didn't have time for so many things. And then all of a sudden, the world just says, oh, I'm going to show you how much time you're going to have. And then, bam, the world is on a global recess pause button. And we're still moving in slow motion to get back, you know, to how things were, you know, even though that's far, far, far away from now. But I think being productive means being staying prepared and being ready for whatever happens and having resilience having resilience and having the checklist and the plan and just keeping that tenacity to keep moving forward is the best sort of tool or advice that i would say for anyone that's you know especially in these times maintaining that productivity as well as that just keeping your head above water and not allowing yourself to sink into that kind of depression like oh i had all these plans to do x y and z just know that next year you'll be able to do something even bigger and better than you than you thought you could have been able to do in 2020 and that actually leads to my next question and you're right i just feel like you know for the creatives it, it this has just definitely been a very unique time so to speak so, you know, just for someone like yourself that has all these creative ideas and all the things that you're working on, what would you say has been the way that you've been able to maintain your creativity during this time? Because just like you said, it's so simple, I guess, to fall into a level of depression, you know, because a lot of us didn't have a plan B through, you know, G. <laughs> Basically, we were stuck on plan A. And obviously, <laughs> this did a lot of changes for everyone. So, you know, like I said, this is an extremely unique time. You know, even some of my favorite shows, I'm just like, oh my God, like, when are they going to come back? Because, like, I know they obviously can't, you know, do certain things that they have planned and whatnot. So, from your perspective, you know, being a creative, having your show, and obviously you have to produce the show as well. Number one, how have you been able to just maintain that creative voice? Well, I think it's, it's just the resetting my mindset just knowing that eventually things that things are going to change and I'm going to, this is the moment you pivot. I, I, now, I don't know if you remember last year and the year before, the, the buzzword everyone kept using was unapologetic. Mm. Everyone was like, oh, I'm going to be unapologetically, <laughs> unapologetically. That was like the word that everyone kept saying. Right. For me, 2020 is the word, the buzzword is pivot. This is the time you take to pivot yourself to a higher you know, sense of what you're going to be. For me, um, you know, I have an HR background, a training background. So I went on to the CDC website, learned all the things about with COVID and social distancing and just what precautions you could take. And I actually put together some guidelines. I actually, I put together a resource guide and I gave that to the cast and crew letting them know that when we do come back, this is what things are going to look like. And I also, you know, as the creator and owner of the show or whatnot, I had to make the decision to say, hey, I'm going to have to cut the production crew. You can't mm-hmm. go into this with 15, 16 people behind the scenes because I want to make sure that I'm protecting everyone. So we cut that from 16 to six people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it was a tough decision because I knew a lot of people wanted to come back and help. Right. But again, at the end of the day, I have to, you know, I'm responsible for these people and I want to make sure we can tell the story. Mm-hmm. So we actually started filming on May 30th, mm-hmm. um, we, but we 
again, learning how to pivot, I looked at the script and a lot of things that, that were supposed to be shot indoors, I just reversed it and made it outside and were able to capture a lot of the beautiful landscapes and architecture of Atlanta. So there'll be a lot more scenery in season three. And so come Friday, this this Friday, we start filming again and we'll be wrapping on Sunday, which mm-hmm. I'm still, I still can't believe it because mm-hmm. we will, we will have beat the odds, meaning we will have filmed six episodes in three and a half days. Mm. And we've never done that because season one and season two normally takes about three to four weekends we shoot it. And this time we've been able to do it in three and a half. And I think the crew, everyone's still a little bit shocked, but I do I know how we were able to do it. So I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what we did different. So it's cool. Well, let me ask you, because um, people that follow me on IG, they know like Issa Rae is like my my mentor in my mind. <laughs> like I really love her. <laughs> I've been following her since Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl and Insecure is like my show. And I know like I follow her. And one thing that I was reading, she was mentioning how she actually probably was not going to mention COVID on when she films the new season of Insecure. If she did, she said it wasn't going to be like a main focus. How did it affect the storylines for Scales? Did you guys incorporate what's taking place or did you kind of like say, hey, we're not going to discuss it? Like, did it jump into the storyline for your show? Well, first of all, let me just say that you and I are probably going to end up being best friends because I love Issa Rae. Issa Rae was one of my motivations for even creating skills. Yes. Like I found out what she did and just I followed, that's, that's what I literally followed her model in terms of creating short form content. That's mm-hmm. why season one, each episode was about seven minutes. Yes. Because I saw when she talked about the 10 things of creating content and I followed her on Instagram and her YouTube channel, her production company, everything. Everything is right. I love you, right. Me too. We and can definitely be buddies. <laughs> love her. But when it comes to that, I also read when she talked about not addressing COVID. I the script that we wrote for, for season three didn't include COVID. Okay. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to put that in us in the story either because I think by the time scales come out, which will be later this year, I don't want to have us still in that place, especially with COVID still. I don't want that to be a reminder of that because for me, I think of the show as entertainment and I would think it scale should be to kind of es- escape from what's really kind of going on mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not touching it with any commentary. I think the only reference in of COVID that's in the series is that one of the characters wears a t-shirt that says, whatever you say, just make sure you say it six feet away. <laughs> and that's, that's literally it. And we don't even, we're not even, it's just, you know, how people wear t-shirts with a phrase on it, right. not addressing COVID. But if you want, you know, you've lived in this decade by when you see the t-shirt, you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. And that's it. And it's in one episode. And then we move on to something else. Because, I mean, I, I really thought about it because I, I just wonder, like, will COVID change the future of movies, scripts? Because, you know, I get it, too. Like, I'm kind of thrilled that some of my favorite people like Issa Rae, and I'm happy to hear you're saying this, too, that you guys really didn't address it. But then I'm like, you know, what's going to happen in the future of movies and scripts? Like, are they going to be obligated 
to mention it, you know, like, I just feel like it's just kind of weird. And I really, really think about that a lot. Like when I watch shows and movies, I'm like, wow, like what is going to happen, you know, once production sets start again for particular shows and movies, like, will they be forced to address it? So it's going to be interesting just to see what takes place in the future, because it's definitely crossed my mind a lot. Like, will people be forced to talk about it? You know, like, will will they have to put it in their storylines? You know, I just, I don't know. I wonder about that a lot. Yeah, I know. I know some of the soap operas have said that they're going to potentially address it, just because you know, as I still watch two soap operas, I'm not afraid to say that <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. Young and the Restless and Days of Our Lives. Okay. And I, I feel like it's you can't help for that medium. You can't help but address it because I'm sure because there are older actors on the show that they're going to be doing a lot of phone calls and social distance type of setups. Right. So I think that they are going to address it. And, it, and I too, like you, I'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Grey's Anatomy and uh, This Is Us, other shows that I love to watch too, see how they're going, if it will impact their story. Or they might do what uh, Sam Levinson, he's the creator of Euphoria, mm-hmm. he um, he shot a movie in six days with Zendaya, Zendaya and Oh, um, John David John, Washington. Mm-hmm. John David Washington. Yeah, I just and heard what, about that. Yeah, what they did is they just had everybody tested, you know, throughout and had people, you know, sort of sequestered into a location for two or three weeks and did it. And, you know, they seem to be fine. So that, that may be what happens mm-hmm. for the larger scale things. But I think for people like us, the, the independent creatives, we are used to working with less versus the big studios that have about a hundred people doing you have a pa who has a pa who has a pa who has a pa and the makeup person has a pa with all they got to learn to scale back and be able to you know adjust to what those parameters look like but i, I do think that they'll probably there'll be a few shows that definitely address it i just hope that if they do do any jokes about COVID, that they actually if you're appropriate for wherever we're at, because I don't right. know how much you can really joke on COVID, especially with so many, you know, hundred plus thousand lives have been lost, and yeah. particularly, you know, people of color are the ones that have died. Right, right, definitely. So, okay, so with um, and I know you mentioned just to backpedal how you had to reduce your staff. Did that like delay as far as how quickly it took for you to record that season, you know, because you were a little short staffed? Did it cause any issues in getting your season completed? No, and that's the part where I said, you know, I know the reason why season three is different is because we're actually, we're more efficient. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's only six, you know, typically, you know, when we had the larger crew, in between setup, people, you know, like they're talking and we're laughing and mm-hmm. I, it would take longer. But when we filmed our first run at this on May 30th, we had a smaller crew. We were able to shoot so much. We still had a few hours left and we were like, what's going on? Because this has never <laughs> happened before. We've never been ahead of schedule. But I think because one, everyone, you know, all the people behind the scenes have on their mask. They knew what the um, what the guidelines were. Like even when we took lunch, everyone had a brown bag lunch, and they practiced social distancing. So mm. it's 
not, you know, communication is even a little different. You can't just laugh and talk sitting next to each other just because of, you know, the current state that we're in. Mm -hmm. And I think all we had to do was once people finished eating and had a few moments of rest, we were like, okay, let's go. We were setting back up and we were, and then shooting outside, um, especially during the summertime, get that good light and everything. It makes it easier to not have to set up with the big lights that we use when we're shooting indoors. So we were able to really knock out a lot. And then because a lot of the actors had been at home, they were able to really, really learn their lines and script. And so we were able to get a lot of stuff with like one or two takes because that's all like, everyone's been in, inside. It's just learning your lines. So it was, we've been able this, uh, the thing I can say I've come out of COVID with is that we are very efficient. Mm -hmm. My team is the most efficient team that I've, that I've worked on. They're very efficient and we were able to really knock things out. Wow, that's amazing. So in further research, when I was looking through your information, I saw that in January of 2018, you started a production company, and that is IMPLS Productions. So can you give me some information on like how you started your production company and just how, you know, did you decide to do this? Now, as far as the production company, did that start around the same time you created the show? So is, is that all associated or is that something separate from creating your show scales? It is. They're all, it's all connected. Okay. Um, I started, I started with the scales sort of casting and creating the team back in August of 2017. And so because again, you know, my love for Issa Rae and I, I <laughs> her YouTube channel on Issa Rae Productions one thing she did was she started her production company under, you know, to cover awkwardly uh, the misadventures awkwardly black girl, because if in the event, let's say scales were to sell, if it's under your production company, it's sort of like you get it, you get to sort of put your hand in the pot more than once because they're not just paying, they're paying the production company that owns it and the talent and all the people behind the scenes. And so I was like, oh well, I need to get a production company and put scales under my production company so that in the event something ever happens, then they're working with the production company that has scales and me as the owner of it. And so that's what led to me um, getting my LLC and opening IMPLS so that I would have anything I create under that umbrella so that if I have, you know, people reach out to me wanting to buy it or license it, it's all kind of under that business umbrella. That's an awesome and very intelligent business move. I may have to take some notes on that. Like, that's a very smart move. So I know, like you said, you're doing an excellent show and just things that you're adding in, which I think is really pertinent to the world as we live in right now. How do you feel just as creatives? And this question is kind of directed towards the creatives that are going to tune in and listen to this, you know, the people, the actors, the writers, you know, the the hosts, the singers. How do you feel you can use your voice as a creative to make a difference? Um, I think using your voice, one, is being the one thing that I, as a creative myself and for other creatives out there, you know, because you're, you're creative, is we, we, we're able to thrive when we're authentic and we're being our best selves, bringing, bringing our real selves to our projects. And just like with Scales and the other projects that I'm creating, there's my voice is in my work. And I refuse to 
you know, water down or lose myself to sort of appease what I think people want to see, you know? So I think as a creative, the most important thing is to be transparent and to be your best authentic self. And that's how I try to, that's what I try to bring into any of the projects is that there's a certain, there's a certain theme in all of my content. And it's because it's something that's connected to myself. I'm not thinking, oh, well, let me create this because I know that's what the people in Detroit are watching, or I know that's what the people in New York want to see. So let me throw this in here. I don't let outside influence, outside opinions or anything influence the work that I'm trying to create. So for any creative, I think you have to be able to use your voice and use your authentic voice in your work. And I think that takes off the the constraints because as creatives, we hate being confined. And when you get confined, it suffocates your creativity. So just continue to allow yourself to just color outside the lines and be as creative as you want to be. And you made a good point. And you're right. Creatives, we don't, you know, we don't like to be confined. That's the whole point. I think of why a lot of us have just broken out to have, you know, these creative careers because we're, we're non-traditionalists, you know? So, you know, that is our thing. And we do color outside the lines and we've made that our entire life. Actually, I would say, colored outside the line so of course you know this is a very unique time and I feel like I feel like in a way it's been like our time you know for the creatives because we had to put our money where our mouths are you know we really had to pull some rabbits out the hat you know and figure out how to maintain and be creative stay focused you know and just think of new things in spite of what's taking place with COVID what would you say um, are the steps for creatives in general? You know, anyone that listens that may need some advice or who just may take in a lot from this interview, what steps would you say for creatives are available, you know, just to stay focused? Any tips, any guidelines, just any go-tos that you have to stay focused? What would you say are the main steps for creatives like yourself and myself to stay focused? I would say, you know, as we've been on, like I said, this global recess that we're on, uh, continue to, to learn and read as much as you can about the things you want to do. For me, you know, as a, as a screenwriter, scriptwriter, whatever, the best tool that I have is the, I have a book called Save the Cat. It's kind of like the, I would say, one of the Bibles of screenwriting that helps you. Um, YouTube channels, YouTube has been such a great tool for me. And like I say, I subscribe to the Issa Rae Productions YouTube channel that inspires me every single day. And I probably watch an episode from the Issa Rae Productions channel every other day because there's always something new I learn from how she manages her production company. So for those creatives, I say find find someone who may be you like a mentor that could be a virtual mentor or someone that you would like to maybe not mirror your career after but there's things about this person that you're attracted to just like i'm attracted to Issa Rae for how she has unless you know i don't know her personally but she's always been authentic like mm-hmm. she's herself that the moment that interviewer asked her who you support she said everybody black <laughs> yeah she has not changed from that one bit so I would tell that creative or creative, find that person, 
And, and if you can find a mentor, a, a lot of people are available now because they're still in this, we're still in this pandemic. I've been able to diverserepresentation.com. They offer a lot of free webinars with people of color that are in the industry. So it could be entertainment lawyers, it could be producers, comedy writers. And I've been taking so many webinars to learn different things about the industry to keep me abreast of what to be prepared for. Because I'm sure like for those creators that are babysitting at home now, writing some things, it's always great to have one or two good scripts that you can have available because I think Hollywood is definitely going to be looking. And like you mentioned earlier, we're kind of now, we never went out of style. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> Being black has never been, been out of style. But people are now really seeing, not just seeing us, they're hearing us. Yeah. They're hearing what we have to say. So as I go, you know, for the fir first thing I said about pivoting, this is our moment to pivot. We have to, as creatives, have our, have our portfolio type, have our work type. You can make sure that as you are a creative and you know that if you want to take your platform beyond the digital media world, make sure you learn the ins and outs of the industry. Know what you should be, you know, what a query letter looks like when you're submitting it to a literary agent or to a manager. How to reach out to people on LinkedIn. Always, I'm, I, I'm not even, I won't even say that I'm, that I'm a genius at what at anything because i'm all i'm always in the process of learning so i would tell that creative other creatives never stop learning because the, the work is always changing so that's what i would be telling anyone and i tell myself this too when i get frustrated i'm like oh patrick you still got more work to do more learning to do what's happening out in this area and whatnot so that would be my advice for creatives that is amazing advice too so before we round things out, just give us some updates. What should everyone be looking out for? I know you mentioned that obviously the third season of Scales is coming out. Just tell everyone that's listening, just what new projects you have on the horizon. Sure. Well, um, Scales is going to have a spinoff show. And it is, we're taking one of the characters. Her name's Kim. And she's going to get her own show, kind of, that I, that I wrote. I wrote a series called Spades, you know, like the card game Spades. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it actually, it stands for um, single people are dating everybody stupid. <laughs> and <laughs> so hence Spades, that's the acronym. <laughs> and it's following her and her two best friends from Clark Atlanta, from grad, undergrad, and the adventures of really bad dates. And it's a super comedy, and it, I can't wait till that comes out, which that will sort of have a pilot when we drop season three of Scales. We're going to premiere that first episode to see how people respond to it. And um, I'm writing my first feature, my first feature script, and um, I'm actually working on another show. So I'm constantly writing. But I do, I can tell you, Scale Season 3 is coming out this fall, and then Spades, which stands for Single People Are Dating Everybody Stupid, is coming out this fall as well. Wow, that sounds amazing. So definitely, before we round out everything, I'm so, like I said, I'm just so excited that we had this conversation. It's been amazing, and you've also given some nuggets that I'm actually going to take in <laughs> to, um, regarding everything. Um, and also, I feel like I met a new best buddy because we both love Issa Rae. <laughs> we 
Listen, for <laughs> sh- absolutely. I mean, we could have a whole session talking about this last season of Insecure. Oh. <laughs> My God, I, you know, like it's one thing I will say that last season, the finale, I think I may have scared the neighbors when, <laughs> when Condola made her announcement because I literally saw this screaming. <laughs> So you both. That's how because, invested I am in that show. Yeah. And so, I literally, yeah. and it's sad that I actually thought about what will COVID do to Issa's career? She just started her career. You know, that's how invested yeah. I am with this show. I was like, oh no, like she's not going to be able to do her festivals because of COVID. So that's how invested yeah. I am in this show. So yeah. definitely give everyone how they can find you on your social media. Give everyone where they can locate the show. Just give everyone your contact information. Sure. You can, you can follow me on Instagram at I am Patrick Lagunas. That's L-A-D-O-N-I-S. I am Patrick Lagunas. You can also follow the show, Scales the Web, on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at Patrick Lagunas and also on Twitter for the show, Scales the Web. And um, let's see, you can find the show on YouTube. Just enter Scales the Web series and help us get to that 100,000 view mark. And if you want to check out some really cool content, you can go on to reverytv.com. It's free. And you, uh, at least I think the first week, it's free. And they have some shows that are free. And if you want to check us out, you can definitely check us out there. And you can also check us out on the on channel that's t-h-e-o-n channel.com awesome thank you so much patrick i have truly enjoyed myself and i'll definitely be following all those platforms and i'll make sure that everyone that follows me will go ahead and follow you and we're going to get you that number on youtube and i'm just super excited for you and i hope we'll be connecting soon and i hope one day we can have a conversation about meeting Issa Rae. <laughs> I know the moment you meet her, I want to follow you on Instagram so I can see her. She's about to because now she was in New Orleans. Was it last year or something? She's in New Orleans. She's actually in New Orleans a lot. And um, the the movie on the photograph actually they filmed a few scenes in Louisiana. So you know, from what I heard, she's actually here a lot. So you know, that's on my bucket list. I would love to meet her one day. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna happen. I'm gonna manifest that out for the universe. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's going to happen for the both of us, for sure. So once again, everyone, this is Patrick Ladonis. He is an awesome actor, and I want everyone to make sure you guys follow him. And thank you again, Patrick. I really enjoyed myself. I did, too. Thank you so much.